Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Glad to have you with us. I'm Cassidy, and as always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Dibs. Hello. And we are continuing our discussion of the fourth book in the Percy Jackson series this week. This is our last episode for book four, The Battle of Labyrinth. So um, we're looking forward to discussing, I guess that's technically like the climax of the book. Um, yes. There's a lot of really interesting things going on. Of course, things Lots get crazier than they already were. <laughs> yes. That too, yeah. Um, and uh, this is all kind of leading up to the final uh, installment in the series. So we are very excited to get into it. Um, mm-hmm. I think we say this every episode, but I mean, this again, we've been saying this, I think on and off for, I don't know how many episodes now, but we love this series. So we're always we very excited to talk about it and yeah. uh, just kind of be nerds about it because it's, it's a really good series and there's so much to enjoy. Um, and I, I don't know, it, it's just a really great series. It's a very entertaining read. <laughs> It so definitely we're is. happy to talk about <laughs> absolutely especially I think we've talked about this on and off according to because I if you are interested in Greek myths you will love the spin that Rick Riordan has put on these myths for you to mm-hmm. enjoy them in a modern setting basically which is amazing um so let's start with a little bit of a recap but before we do a huge thank you to all of our audiences who have born with us basically to listen to our uh to us nerding out over these books and everything else on our podcast so thank you so much we appreciate you but let's do a little bit of a recap here because we stopped at a very pivotal point uh with everything that's happened percy almost died everyone thought he was dead he came back and now they have to re-enter the labyrinth and and now they're taking Rachel with them because she's the one clear-sighted mortal who can actually help them out. So let's talk about that. A lot's going on. So let's talk about it. Yes. I mean, we know from the earlier chapters of the book that the labyrinth is a very dangerous, difficult yeah. uh, place to navigate. And um, Percy and Annabeth, uh, Grover, Tyson, they tried at first. They had a little bit of success and then very quickly it kind of got crazy. <laughs> Or crazier than it already was to they begin had to with. Split and, up, like um, you said. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, they had to split up, which um happens fairly early in you know the the journey into the labyrinth. And then once they split up, they kind of have two different goals. So Percy and Annabeth are trying to find Daedalus in his workshop, and Grover and Tyson are off looking for a pen. So yeah. um lots going on. Uh I think after Percy essentially erupt or blows off. <laughs> Mount Saint Helens, a volcano yeah. or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, he lands um, on Ogigia with Calypso, and Hephaestus pays him a visit and kind of confirms that the best thing that Percy and Annabeth can do to navigate the labyrinth is find a clear-sighted mortal like Ariadne, who let Theseus through, and yes. uh, use the mortal's help to navigate the labyrinth. So at the end of our last episode, we got up to Rachel joining their little group and uh leading them through the labyrinth absolutely annabeth of course was not very thrilled at that uh-huh. but um percy kind of was like we have no choice we're just gonna go with oh, it no, she's absolutely um, thrilled with this absolutely <laughs> thrilled you know like it's fine she's fine she, she, yeah yeah she's not feeling any animosity or anything mm-hmm. like that nothing at all. at all no what are you talking about <laughs> this is annabeth Anyway, we love Annabeth, by the way. No shade at Annabeth. We love this child, but... Oh, no, of course. I know. You know. She's, she's amazing. But yeah, I mean, it, 
I think we talked about this a little bit yes. last episode too, that we this did. is kind of her quest and it's the first quest that she's led um, yeah. really like, you know, in her own name. It's very personal too. She got exactly. to camp. Yeah, yeah. So um, she's definitely, I think, feeling a little bit responsible. Extent, almost like, yeah, responsible. So I think like bitter that like it's her quest now. She's almost in a way like forced to ask for immortal's help. Yeah. And I think she feels like it's just, it's not, fair uh percy of course isn't really so much i think looking at it in terms of like why is annabeth feeling this way he's more just like rachel can guide us we have to get her help we why need is her. why are you not seeing like, this you're help. the logical one annabeth why are you not seeing I this <laughs> is what he thinks so, um, except for the yeah, fact that also, he doesn't <laughs> except for the fact that he doesn't realize this idiot just kissed him the last time he saw him like i mean okay that's for a different time clearly but let's let's move forward because they're this trio is trying their best to navigate and rachel is able to see a clear path i think she sees a single blue line uh, but no that no one else can see basically right i think that's how they describe it yeah i mean yeah she's able to essentially see the the best way through the path and for yeah. her it, it's very different than um obviously Percy and Annabeth what they see because they don't see that but also yeah. I think Annabeth kind of like she says in the beginning of the book she has just been doing a lot of research and she's been going off of her knowledge of the labyrinth and whatever information she's found or she's had access yeah. to Rachel of course the minute they get into the labyrinth that's a very different uh route altogether and um almost yeah. like right off the bat right and about this like this is not right we're not because, going yeah, in the right direction let's at talk all. about and, that because she says the that the workshop should be in the part of the architecture which looks oldest because that was created mm-hmm. first it started right. that was the center of the labyrinth that's where it started <laughs> but then her belief system is like crashed right away when Rachel's like I can see this line okay calm down I can I can see this is the right path and then that's the clash right away so let's talk about that too yeah I mean it, it's kind of uh funny I think there's a couple of instances throughout the last part of the book where once Rachel kind of joins the group I think she and Annabeth are kind of aware why there's some sort of mm. um I guess, animosity between them. Although I think it's more that, I don't want to say it's like real animosity because I don't no. think Annabeth is kind of like- I don't think Annabeth is petty. Enough to like, yeah, it's not- She's not she's... petty and she's not yeah. insecure in herself that she's kind of like, oh, my best friend who I could potentially lose to another girl or like that it's sort of thing. But that. I think she's coming it's at a... it from like a like a more, I think, personal It's place a little where more it's like complicated. Everybody that, yeah. yeah it's like everybody that she's ever trusted has kind of left her like Luke with a big yeah. one uh Thalia unintentionally you know left her um and uh now she's been given this crazy quest to lead and there's a pretty big prophecy that's you know associated with this quest and she's really kind of rattled about it so much so that she hasn't even told anybody the last mm-hmm. part of the prophecy and exactly. now you know like she knows what it is and um you know we've as readers find out with Percy towards the end, but she's kind of, I guess, grappling with the knowledge of what that last line of the prophecy means and um, the events that are unfolding around her. So I think she's kind of coming at it from that point of view. Percy, of yeah. course, doesn't know how uh, how like crazy the last line of the prophecy is and, and how I think difficult it's talking it about losing a loved one that she doesn't 
tell yeah them. yeah we'll get in we'll get to that in a, a little bit, bit. Yeah, in a little bit yeah I know what you mean yeah, yeah. At this point, she doesn't, she hasn't told Percy, she hasn't told yeah. anyone, so yeah. he doesn't know. And so he's just kind of like, I don't understand why you guys aren't getting along. Like on paper, you guys would be great friends. But there's a couple of instances throughout the last part of the book where, again, like I said, I think Rachel and Annabeth realize that like whatever kind of tension. I, I mean, I, I, I yeah, tension. I hesitate I to call it animosity. No, I think it's tens- not tension's animosity. a better word. Yeah, tension is. <laughs> yeah. Tension is like, probably a better way to describe mm, it. Mm, 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 but whatever tension is between them, I think they recognize what the cause of it is even before <laughs> Percy does. Percy um, is to clueless. Certain... Let's just, let, please. That boy, yeah. as much and, as we and, love and him, Beth, I think. <laughs> yeah, Annabeth too, I think she's like not willing to admit why oh, there's tension. I think she recognizes why it's there, but she's like, she's not going to focus on it. She's not going to do anything about it. No. And Rachel, uh, to her credit, just doesn't like keep antagonizing her or just no. you know prolonging conflict and stuff and Rachel's yeah. actually trying to be pretty um non-confrontational I think as far she as is. like starting mm-hmm. drama with Annabeth goes but again I think Annabeth is just coming from a very personal place of like all the people that she's really really cared about have kind of abandoned her for different reasons yeah. um and I think it's like that's the hard part too that now that she like over the course of like the last three books she's gotten close to Percy she's opened up to him he's opened oh, up to yeah. her they've yeah. become closer and closer each book and now all of a sudden it's like here's a person who could potentially Change take him that. away from her Change yeah that. exactly and also yeah. I think we I think we talked about this a little bit in um the last episode as well or an earlier episode um that Rachel is not a demigod so she's not connected to their world and if Percy wants ties to the mortal world Rachel can give him that like a sense of normalcy and about I mean she's a demigod she can't change that she can only kind of work with what she what she has and and just deal even with Percy, Percy and, can't just do away with who he is either but I know what you mm-hmm. mean though yeah yeah and I just think um like that as as Rachel becomes featured more and more I think Annabeth starts realizing that like it's a really kind of big thing like obviously like we said she's not petty she's not going to tell Percy who he can and can't be friends with and she's not going to you know she's not going to outright for the sake of being yeah she's not going to outright outright admit yeah but um I think because she's kind of you know struggling with like all these different things we kind of start seeing even by like the beginning of the next book Percy does kind of uh I guess take certain outs almost like in terms of getting away from the demigod world for a bit and um Annabeth is just kind of there and she kind of just has to let him do it and um so yeah all that to say I think uh Annabeth is just struggling we're going through a lot of things at this point um and Rachel is kind of like the last thing she needs to deal with but she's Mm -hmm. kind of also like a little bit at her limit because there's just so many things that are weighing down on them they have so many like things that they're trying to work through all these deadlines looming and um to top it all off they now have to worry about like a mortal guiding them through and then essentially they have to keep Rachel safe because um Rachel has no training as far as we know no real skills or you know yeah no weapons anyway to fight monsters so it's Mm -hmm. there's a lot going on there's a lot going on just going through some things she's dealing with she is and to top it off um they basically end up meeting the lost demigod 
who uh, basically uh, who, who basically Luke found basically, and also Rachel's path leads them straight to the arena uh, where the enemies already are. Let's talk about that because interesting things happen here. So let's talk about it. Yeah, there's a lot that happens very quickly, and it happens like very uh, quickly with like within. Yeah. Essentially, like, I guess, like, minutes of them going back it, into the labyrinth with no, Rachel and Tool. Yeah. So um, she leads them through the labyrinth. She has a, a path that she can clearly see that Percy mm-hmm. and Annabeth can't, but Percy's definitely trusting her. Annabeth is wary, but she's going along with it. Yep. Um, unfortunately, they do run straight into monsters. Mm-hmm. So everybody's favorite cheerleader from the beginning, Kelly, yep. <laughs> makes a reappearance. Yep. Um, and uh, before Percy and Annabeth can fight, um, I think she essentially just like corners Rachel and uses her almost as like yeah. bait to keep Percy compliant. And she leads them to an arena mm-hmm. where, um, you know, it's like a gladiator style type setup. There's fights going on. Yep. And um, Percy's chosen as like the next uh, or like one of the competitors. And so um, Annabeth and Rachel are essentially used as like, hostages basically yeah yeah like they're kind of you know there to to make sure that percy doesn't step out of line and he does as he's told and um i think percy to his credit really does try i think or there's like a bit so i think when they come into the arena um unfortunately there's like a centaur fighting and percy feels really bad because like the poor centaur is losing he wants to help and then kelly's like if you help him like you kill your friends yeah basically exactly yeah um, so Percy just kind of has to like bite his tongue, deal with it until it's his turn. And when it's his turn to fight, we um, get our first introduction to a demigod that, like you mentioned, was found uh, wandering in the labyrinth. And yep. so Percy has to fight this guy to the death. Mm-hmm. Um, Percy being Percy, of course, is not going to. Yep. So uh, he uses his skills to just overpower the guy and um, he refuses to kill him, even though the demigod says like, just just do it get it over with um and percy of course being percy's like no i'm not listening like he doesn't even listen to like his own uh friends and his own mentors sometimes so like he's like i'm not gonna yeah. listen to some random upstart dummy guy exactly dude um, but um in in fighting in this arena um part of it i think is like it's meant to be a spectacle Percy's probably a little too good um so he he kind of goes through the 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 two fights he has very quickly and then he's like kind of like getting riled up and he's like all right enough is enough um we learned that Luke is also a spectator he's like watching all of these fights and so Percy challenges Luke to a fight Luke is like I'm too like good for this is way above my get lost yeah (laughs) like you're below below my pay pay grade thing yeah pretty much so um he offers percy as like a opponent uh to the i guess leader of the arena who's a is he a giant i can't remember if he's I a don't giant know if he's or a giant but he is a son of poseidon and Gaia, which is weird yes yeah so the the arena like leader or like whoever organizes holding his name is yeah. Antaeus. like he said he's a um a child of Gaia and poseidon so he's got a connection to Percy, but obviously, um, I think the similarities end with Poseidon being their dad. And yeah. um, 
he and Percy have to fight, but interestingly, Percy can't kill him as quickly. So we learn that yeah. Antaeus is because he's a son of Gaia, the earth protects him. As long him, as he can, and as long as he's to touching, yeah. Yes, he can't be killed. So yep. um, Percy's looking for ways to defeat him. Annabeth, of course, being the extremely knowledgeable daughter of the She basically she is. is like, his mother is Gaia. And then they stop her from talking, but then she wanted to tell him about this. But then they stop her yeah, from talking. Yeah, I think she knows, of course. And he like, she know. could easily, like, Exploit give Percy all weakness. the information he needs. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah. But um, because she's essentially something of like a hostage, she's um, the, the guards who are or the, the creatures that are guarding her force her yep. to stop talking. Yep, they and do. Percy just kind of has to figure it out himself, but um, he does Luckily, he defeat, does. Yeah. Yeah. He does defeat Antaeus. Um, there's also a really interesting uh, thing that's, it's a very brief moment in this mm-hmm. like whole arena sequence, but when they come into the arena, I think Percy notices that um, like the whole arena has like been ringed with like skulls and stuff and there's just like all the skulls of like the dead um, or like the the losers essentially just and then Taya the says place. they're offerings to Poseidon basically mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and then he like makes a claim that he's Poseidon's favorite son and Percy mm-hmm. makes an or he has like an interesting thought that it's so strange how um, certain beings or even just people in general can do horrible things in the name of the gods and then justify it because it's like oh it's for my dad or it's for so and so and like they're an Olympian or they're a god or a titan or whatever it's fine and mm-hmm. um, I don't it's again it's a very brief moment but I just thought it was really interesting that even though um, you know he's in like a crazy arena there's a lot going on he still had the like he still had time to even kind of reflect on that however briefly so that was interesting. And also, I think the series, I mean, if you've read Greek mythology, you know that none of the gods um, are really saints. They're all, you know, they've all done some stuff. Um, I they've think all the series done... does take. Yeah, yeah. The series yeah, takes liberties. More like PG view. Yeah, it does. Yeah, you are absolutely right. With the gods. Right. Um, yeah. But. I think like because if you look at Poseidon's actual history, especially with Medusa, it is not great. Yeah, yeah. Like again, it's like like you said, they took liberties, and it's like a more kid-friendly PG version of some of the events that happen in myths. But um, I think also, even though the the series doesn't fully um, go into like detail about some of the darker aspects of the Olympians, I think there are like hints at you know the darker nature um, of the gods. And like, this is an example where like this being has just killed countless people and dedicated it to Poseidon. You would think that, you know, as a powerful Olympian, Poseidon would have stepped in, stopped it or said like, all right, thanks. But like, obviously he hasn't done anything. And so it's been continuing. And so I think even though it's a very brief moment, it's still um, uh, something kind of interesting that like yeah it is I agree they don't really spend a lot of time exploring that the darker aspects of the Olympians but it's like a nod to them existing at least and so it's not like the gods like, agree and like yeah. can do no wrong <laughs> it's like they're problematic they've got they their, you know, moments where they do good stuff but then they also have moments when they do bad stuff but exactly um I think for the most part the series does kind of tend to highlight I think at least as far as Poseidon goes because he's Percy's dad I think it's a slightly more positive outlook on Poseidon a little bit but um, even then um I think it it doesn't obviously you know shy away from um mentioning other kids as Poseidon whether they're human (laughs) 
demigods like Percy or other beings altogether. Yeah. Um, so there's like nods to it, which again, very minor portions throughout the series, but um, it's there. It, it's still there, which I think is interesting. Yeah. Yes. No, I agree with you because again, I think this series, while taking a PG view of the whole situation between the Olympians and the Titans, also makes it complicated because the kids who defected to the titans have every right to be angry because the olympians because in their immortality have ignored these kids for like quite some time right so like it's not (laughs) fair and and they have every reason to be angry at their godly parent and be like you basically ignored me for all this time and now when you need us you basically want us to fight your battles for you just because you need us and you were never there when we needed you kind of thing, you know? So right. it's always complicated to thread the, to toe that line, I'm guessing, but it, it does okay. So I'm guessing it, it's, it's difficult because it's hard to say who's better. I mean, like, I mean, we can always debate which is the lesser of two evils at this point, honestly, but, you know. Yeah, it's it's a nuanced issue. I mean, I think if you look at it from like a human perspective, like just applying like a normal person's yeah. perspective, it's like no kid should have to be abandoned just because their parent is like too busy a for God. them, which yeah. is essentially what the Olympians are like. They're like, we you know we've lived for thousands of years, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're, we can't deal with this. Like this is, you know, below our pay grade type thing. <laughs> um, but obviously the Olympians have a completely different outlook because they're like, we're, you know, we're old. We've lived around for so long. This is just how we've done things. Um, And I think there's like even a quote, I think, I think it comes in, um, it actually comes in in the next book, but there's a quote that Hermes makes where he's like in 3000 years, you know, the gods haven't changed anything and, you know, they're not going to start changing now type thing. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's kind of been their mentality for like a really long time where it's like, we've just done things a certain way. And that's just the way they are. And unfortunately, as part of that, it's like, we don't interfere with our kids' lives. They're just like, they do their own thing. We do our own thing. But that um, has cost them. That's basically given these kids a reason to basically defect, though. I mean. And like, honestly, we find this out um, pretty quickly because after this whole arena debacle, there's a bit where Luke is like, all right, you know what? I'm tired of dealing with this nonsense everybody's gonna get like yeah he he basically actually uh, gives an order for everyone to be killed although he does ask that annabeth be spared so he can talk to her yeah but um i do think though that would have been kind of interesting to see um if that had like that particular thread had been explored more because i think Mm. annabeth of course has a complicated history with luke she does Um, and it's it's kind of like a, a crazy uh, dynamic that she, Luke, and Percy have going on because obviously she and Percy are now very good friends. Luke is trying to kill Percy, but he and Annabeth were very good friends. And so yeah. he still got some sort of, you know, like... Um, Soft spot like, for her, I guess. I don't yeah, know how exactly. So it. it's like he wants to like... No, that's I think that's, that's a very like accurate description of what it is like it is a soft spot because um even though he's constantly like doing all these things that she hates that it's technically not good um he keeps doing them but he's always like oh Annabeth like let's just talk for a minute and um 
So I think soft spot is, is a very good uh, description of it, but mm. I think it would have been really interesting to see where that would have gone because I have a feeling, I mean, I'm sure Percy would have been like, Annabeth, you can't seriously be thinking about talking with him, which Monty is going to change now. Yeah. But Annabeth again has had um, a longer history with Luke. She's known well, him that's, before he kind of turned. It's a complicated history too, so, exactly. Because yeah, so I just think it would have been interesting to see. Like you said. I agree. Yeah, and of course, I mean, I think we talked about this before too in an earlier episode. Percy wasn't around for that whole portion of yeah. her life when Luke was not evil um, yeah. or not bitter and and not and she so mentions that on destroying the gods. She mentions that because she says you didn't know Luke earlier. You didn't know him when he <laughs> wasn't like this. I did. Right. Right. So it's difficult for her to imagine someone she trusted <laughs> and cared for so much has become this at this point right it's yeah complicated like but you said. I, I just I mean yeah it, it's it's still to me kind of funny that Luke is like spare Annabeth and it's like I I understand his desire to like kind of because he says as much at the end of the Titans curse where when they're all kind of when both sides are confronting each other, he's uh-huh. trying to like convince Sally and Annabeth to join him again. He's like, well, yeah. just like old times type thing. And it's like, I understand like the sentiment behind that, I guess, but it's also like, I think Annabeth is also at a point now where it's like, even though she recognizes what Luke means to her to a certain extent and mm. like that they have like the shared past and obviously you know he was a huge part of her life and very instrumental in teaching her a lot of things and all of that it's yeah. also like, as much as Luke has chosen his side she's chosen her side and I don't oh, think true. she would ever like do what Luke did which is essentially just turn her back on the gods and on camp and and betray everything she's ever known and everyone she's ever loved and who's cared about her and all of that exactly and, um Luke obviously I don't think he realizes that or if he does he's just choosing to ignore it because he's he he a couple of times he's like hey let's um let's just like go back to how it was like the three of us just on the run whatever and she's like it's kind of too late for that dude it's it's it like is. very late it's I mean. not the same anymore things are so different now like dude if it, if they were still on the run and then if they didn't have camp half blood I think Annabeth could have been swayed slightly, mm-hmm. but then she's been part of this camp and she knows the people at camp too. She can't, and she's, she's loyal to a fault, this girl. She really is. <laughs> so I, mean, I, I think a lot of the campers are, but I think it's also part of it has to do with, um, I think unlike a lot of the campers, Annabeth, or well, unlike a lot of, um, you know, mm-hmm. Unlike Luke, not not a lot of the campers. Unlike Luke, Annabeth has really found her like group she's in Camp Half Blood. You know, with place. her siblings, she's found she's her found place, her place yeah, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I she's agree. like found her home, and camp has been yeah. you know it's meant a lot to her because you know she's allowed to just exist and be without you know parents yelling at her or like putting her down or yeah. uh, suggesting things that you know they may not have intended to and all of that. But Luke has never really uh, done that. I think also when they came to camp, he was a lot older than Annabeth. And so, you know, she was seven when she came to camp. And so for she seven years, it's different than, yeah, yeah. It's different than, you know, a 14 year old trying to fit in with, with a bunch of, you know, kids and, and teenagers and things like that. So I think it was 
easier for Luke to grow disillusioned with the whole thing, whereas Annabeth mm. is like a little, a really young girl. And for her, camp was kind of everything that she wanted. There were people who cared about her, not because they had to, but because and her they siblings who were going through the same <laughs> thing as her. It's the it's exactly. different. Yeah. yeah. And like she got to learn and just be who she was meant to be, you know, like yeah. kind of embrace her heritage without, you know, family members kind of. I guess trying to like pushing it aside or avoid that yeah or like trying exactly yeah so I think like Luke doesn't quite understand that like it's kind of too late to ask her to change sides now Mm. I mean again like you said if they had been on the run the whole time I think if Kronos had like recruited Luke I think that by then I mean Annabeth was already starting to like really idolize Luke I think she would have done anything he asked if They at, that gone point, camp, but- at that point yes she really would have she would have been like yes uh this guy uh I, i'd follow him kind of deal i think that would have been mm-hmm. her deal if they'd still been on the run had she not been part of camp half blood for all that time had she not found her place with her siblings and everyone else at camp and found mm-hmm. that family that she always wanted kind of thing you know yeah yeah it's interesting too to kind of see like how she and Luke have like the opposite reactions almost to like Mm. you know the gods kind of interfering and you know Thalia dying because Annabeth was like okay my best friend or one of my best friends is now dead but she becomes more I think uh rooted in this idea of like camp is where we need to be like we have to be here um and like obviously I think it means a lot to her and she's like this is like my home and it's like she I think recognizes that it's not fair that one of her friends died for no reason but it kind of I think if anything um keeps her rooted or like tied to camp half blood more than Luke where Luke is just like one of my best friends got turned into a tree and like the gods did nothing and her I think own dad he takes it negatively. Yeah, exactly. I yeah, think, I mean, I but think is there a way to take it too, negatively but... or positively? Because it's messed up. The that the Talia situation it was is, messed up, think... to be sure. I mean. <sighs> I wonder if maybe even though they both recognize that it's not an ideal situation, I wonder if maybe Luke is just looking at it as like this is a really stupid thing or like like really ridiculous mm. thing for Zeus to have done to turn his own daughter into a tree. Yeah. Whereas Annabeth was like it's more of like a commemorative thing. Like I, she's not happy about it, and she wishes obviously that it had never happened. Talia in the was first alive. Place. Yeah, but right but at least this is like a way to like honor her memory and like commemorate you know her heroic deed and again she wishes it doesn't it hadn't happened but you know she can't change the past and this is probably in some cases it's like you know a tree is still like a living thing it's no substitute for a living breathing demigod but you know it's um short of you know Thalia being completely 100% dead this is like uh the next this best is, thing I guess I don't know I, but I just it is I think just kind of interesting to see how their reaction to to that event just kind of unknowingly yeah. pushed them to like opposite poles almost where Annabeth is like camp is just it's it's camp like that's where she lives and she thrives there and it means a lot to her and Luke is just like this place did nothing for me the gods did nothing for me I don't really care about any of it yeah. and I think some of that sentiment starts rubbing off on other demigods either because they know Luke or maybe because they don't because um the demigod that we see in the labyrinth Ethan um Annabeth mentions 
that he was part of the Hermes cabin at Camp Hathla. And he's like, uh, yeah. Percy's, I think, trying to convince him, uh, you know, like to to come back to camp because after this whole confrontation with Luke um, and, you know, Luke has given this order to kill the demigods, Percy uses Quintus's um, Stygian ice whistle. whistle to summon Mrs. O'Leary. Yep. And she's kind of their escape out of the arena. And um, once, you know, they're safely away from the arena and have a moment to catch their breath, Percy's like trying to convince Ethan to to join with them join and then them. he's like you know we got a place yeah. like you'll be great and he's like oh no I've been at camp I don't like it I want nothing to do with it mm. and when Annabeth comments about you know him being at camp he was like he kind of the way he talks it's like you can kind of get you get the sense that he's also he has like a similar outlook to Luke where it's like the campers I are think- just stuck in a cabin if they're undetermined yeah. and like the gods don't do anything you just train 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 train. also let's talk about how he's the son of a minor (laughs) goddess not one of the major olympians that also (laughs) plays a major part too because like it's like these minor gods don't matter yeah no we find out that he says it i'm the son of nemesis vengeance he says it in this book he says it i think when he um when he pledges his allegiance to Kronos, but at this point he he just says he was in the Hermes cabin. He's like, I don't want to go to camp. Um, I, I mean, oh he, yeah, he you're right. Reveal... He, when he pledges, Percy tries to stop him there too. Okay, yeah, I see what yeah. you mean. Okay, go on. Yes. So basically, but, um, yeah. I think like at this point he's just like, I'm not going back to camp. I know what yeah. it's like. I've been there. I hate it. Like that sort of yeah. thing. It's not my um, thing. And... Basically, is what he says. At yeah. This point. yeah. So I think like even though he may not have known Luke as long. Um, and I don't know if Luke kind of gave him this whole spiel of like, oh, demigods have a really hard, tough life. Your god, like your godly parent is never going to be around. Just renounce them, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not Luke kind of influenced him with that or that was just something Ethan like learned to, to feel on its own. I don't know. But either way, he has like a very, I think, kind of similar outlook to Luke in that he's like, yeah. the gods don't care about me. I was stuck in a cabin undetermined for, you know, years and years or however long. And all you do is train. If you're lucky, you get a quest and get to go to the outside world. Other than that, you're just kind of locked within the borders of Camp Half-Blood. And it's like, um, if you find your group, you find them. If you don't, you're just stuck in the Hermes cabin. He's like, I don't want that. And so he just like ditches them in the middle of the labyrinth. And uh, he goes off to, I mean, we we know where he goes off to later, um, but Percy and Annabeth and Rachel at that point don't. Um, they barely managed to escape. Uh, that's the thing, yeah. though. But yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I think after yeah. um, after they they kind of break off, or Ethan breaks off and goes his own way, Rachel uh, leads them through the labyrinth again this time and they actually find this was proper but the problem was the quickest way to the workshop was through this um arena arena, through this arena so it's not (laughs) like rachel was wrong it just turned out that the master of the arena turned out to be bad that's not on her um (laughs) It's also, I think, I mean, the labyrinth, it's been like mentioned several times, I think, throughout the book that it is its own kind of living, breathing, living, structure breathing and it grows thing. on its own. Yes. Um, so regardless of Daedalus building it and like his intentions behind building it, the thing has kind of taken on its own. Um, taken a life of its kind own, of like, basically. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, like it's not as simple as like he's built it. He knows like the roots and stuff. 
and he can make paths for people. It's more like the thing is just doing whatever it wants. And again, it, it's designed to confuse and kill and it'll do that to the best of its abilities. So, yep. um, yeah, I mean, I think Annabeth feels that Rachel's not doing a great job because she's already within like minutes or like within a very short period of time. a huge trap. Um, right exactly but Rachel's like no this is where we need to go and like I'm sorry that you feel that way but like I can see it this is the path we had to go through that place and um it's also interesting I think there is a bit where in like during the arena Luke is commenting or like he says something to Antaeus which is like um will you give, give us safe passage through uh, the labyrinth or like this portion yeah. of the labyrinth if we yeah. do x y and z and ante is mm-hmm. like sure and it's like if you needed passage like why were you spending so much time fighting like i mean they were fighting because they needed passage mm-hmm. and they had to appease anteus but it's like it's no anteus just wants entertainment that. i know i know but it's like you would think in the interest of time because they're also on a time crunch like they need or like they want certain things done so that Kronos, when, you know, he rises, he's got everything he needs or he's feeling good about it, whatever. Um, but I always find it kind of weird that, like, they spent all this time in a, essentially like a, like a gladiator arena type thing. And it seemed like, I mean, Luke is, you know, he's a skilled swordsman. So if he really wanted to do something quickly, he could have just been like, all right, you know what, I'm going to go down there. I'm going to fight. We're going to get this over with as quickly as we can. And then we're going to pass through. But it kind of seemed like they were just prolonging the spectacle just because Antaeus wanted it to be prolonged. Also, and it's like, aren't yeah, you going exactly. <laughs> Yeah. It's just, I think, yeah, I know, right? Which is kind of weird. But let's talk about this because what they find out when they finally make it to Day Dallas's workshop is interesting. Let's talk about it because yeah, so it's not fun. Um, <laughs> there's uh, there's a lot. Uh, I there's a lot that, going again, on. That goes on in this there's part. a lot going on um, in this part. I yes, but yeah, when they get to. Daedalus workshop there I think Annabeth and, and Percy are kind of taken aback to find um that of all the people expected there um Quintus. the, the Quintus. person that they see is Quintus the Quintus. old sword master from Camp Half-Bliss yeah. <laughs> and uh last we had heard of him he had kind of escaped from Camp Half-Blood and yeah exactly nobody knew where he was and so I yeah. think they're both kind of shocked to find him here but we get I think one of the most insane reveals in this book where we yes. learn that is actually none other than Daedalus himself. It is Daedalus. And, um, <laughs> I mean, come on. His name is actually a clue to, to what happened and all the dreams that Percy's been having because, have all kind of been leading up yeah, to this moment, this moment. because um, there's that one dream he has, I think, where Perdix is talking about, like, he, he asked Daedalus, like, why, do, why do people have to die? Yeah. Exactly. He's like, what if we were able to capture the soul and all of that? And Daedalus, he's over time he's found a way to do that so instead of dying he's actually been able to essentially kind of like transfer create automatons his, and transfer his yeah, essence and transfer into, his consciousness or soul yeah, whatever exactly into these different and quintus is is his fifth body fifth yes. like come on and i love annabeth's reaction to all of this towards the end not towards the end towards the end of this scene because he Quintus basically is like, yeah, I made a deal with Luke. He already has Ariadne's string. Your camp is doomed. I came to camp to find out if it was a worthy cause, and I found out that it wasn't. So I sided with Luke. 
that's pretty much it he's yeah. going to keep me alive he's going to keep me away from minos basically that's my goal i don't want anything to do with this fight i have no hand in this is what he says and i mm-hmm. love annabeth's reaction to this because it is so like a child of athena and she love i, I love her for it i absolutely love her for it because she's like the athena's kids are, are not just supposed to be smart they're supposed to be wise and you're none of those things so i used to idolize you i used to i used to basically you were my hero and now you've crashed all of that you are not the person I thought you were going to be and I love that it's kind of like that quote it's like you know there's that quote about like never meeting your heroes it's kind of like that because I think like you said I mean she did idolize this guy and she did a lot of research on the labyrinth and you know she was into architecture and Daedalus was an architect and all of that the best thing ever like the labyrinth is like Mm -hmm. one of the best things ever and she and she admired him for that and to find out that this guy has done all these horrible things is it's just I think it's it's a lot because also like I think as much as she understands like his genius and she appreciates that I think she's also kind of a little taken aback by kind of almost how casual Daedalus is about the whole thing because he talks about not just casual he's callous like literally yeah because he's like yeah I killed my nephew and like I regret it but like I made a choice and it wasn't the right one but I've been paying for it since Mm. but then he also talks about like you know I'm he's like I I came to camp to to see because Luke gave me one side of the story I wanted to see the other and they're like well you've seen our camp so now help us and he's like oh sorry you're just a few hours too late i gave the the string to to luke and it's like if you like what was the point of going if you'd already like made up your mind or decided or like what was the point of going to camp half-blood to see and then being like well it's a noble cause but but uh, obviously we find out you know he has a, a personal stake in this and he just wants to keep living and luke has promised him that and so he's like i he's don't really basically care promised him that he would never have to uh, uh, you know go to the underworld because once the titans win hades would be overthrown and he would never have to go back basically yeah and i think as part of like the deal daedalus will yeah. now become like one of the judges of the underworld or like lord yeah. of the underworld or something like that and you know Some, he would be able yeah. to reconnect with his son and his nephew but it's also like dude you knowingly whether you meant to or not killed your nephew oh he meant to <laughs> you, mm. you like <laughs> perdix is in what perdix was intentional whether or not he was influenced by janice at that point is a different story but he could have done something with Perdix. Icarus, I can understand because that was like a Icarus, complete yeah, that's accident. That's not really on him. That is yeah. a complete yeah. accident. But Perdix, but the whole like no. Perdix, and then uh, cheating death essentially. Yeah, that yeah. you know, that's all on Daedalus himself. And then not only that, you know, he like he, the way he just talks about camp and Percy and Annabeth's cause being doomed he's like oh I'm sorry but I'm siding with yeah. Luke it doesn't really matter like you can't change my mind that sort of thing yeah. I think it is it is a lot for Annabeth to take in because also I mean she's a daughter of Athena Daedalus is a child of Athena yes they're supposed to like she says not he just connected be smart, but they're well. supposed to be yeah. like, she wise thought, and clever yeah because she feels and, a kinship with every one of her siblings and she's known some kids of Athena too she lives with them and for mm-hmm. for her to see someone like and again like you said this is someone she revered this is someone she absolutely idolized because of all the things that he's done and then to understand to realize that this person is so 
not that not flawed i think she could have taken flawed i think she was more taken aback by how callous and how self-centered he was about this whole situation mm-hmm. that i think she couldn't take right it's almost like he kind of got like greedy like now that he found yeah. a way to cheat death he's like well now that i can keep prolonging my existence yeah i don't have to go to the underworld i can avoid judgment i can avoid taking mm. responsibility for my transgressions yeah. and i can do things in a way that i can have it all now and i think that's yeah. what kind of rubbed her the wrong way because mm-hmm. i think she understands like even if she's not going to do any of the things that daedalus did i think she understands that like as a child of athena you're like she said, it's not only supposed to be smart, but clever and wise. And he's wise. maybe clever, but like yeah. almost like a cunning way and not necessarily in a good way. Yeah. And um, Daedal is just, I mean, he's been alive for so long and been just operating the same way for so long. He's kind of lost sight of like, this isn't like what's meant to be. And it's like cheating mm. death is not like you're not supposed to do that, especially not in his case, because he essentially just killed his nephew and then he's been running from that ever since and everything he's done since then like hiding in the labyrinth and you know refashioning bodies and just transferring his consciousness or soul or whatever has been to Mm. escape this you know major thing that happened centuries ago and he's just not taking responsibility for it and i think that not taking responsibility because annabeth okay again annabeth she may be her pride she is kind of (laughs) proud I will it's say this for a reason. It is. Yeah, it's her but, flaw for a reason. But when she makes a mistake, she owns up to it. She will own up to it and do what it takes to make it right. But <laughs> that again is not Day Dallas's thing because he made a huge mistake and he's trying to avoid the consequences forever. And that's not right. That doesn't sit well with her at all. It's like, right. yeah, that's. But yeah, I think he gets a like, taste you know, of just... his. Go ahead, go ahead, please. Let's finish. No, I was just gonna we'll say it's, it's like kind of like you said earlier. She's been looking up to this guy for so long, and I think yeah. she developed this idea of like how he would be that he would be very mm. wise and knowledgeable, and like you know impart a lot of wisdom. wisdom. And then she finds out that he's just kind of like you know, a kind of in some ways, like a pathetic old dude who who thinks he knows everything and he might've been, you know, a mm. genius in, in some respect, but now he's kind of, he's almost like it's like he's fallen from grace and he's he's very different than the person she like heard Envisioned about, thought she knew be. and yeah. that too. Yeah, so it's like now it's like that she knows and like that kind of um, like image of him has been ruined. Shattered. I think she has like no trouble being like, yeah, she has no trouble being like, you know what you're 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 crazy and like no yeah. child of athena would do what you've done yeah. and um i mean she goes as far as like knocking over one of it like you know i think easels <laughs> or something and then she's oh, like telling it to him and I'm i like, love yeah, that because of that i love her i love this child so much she's 14 no, I mean, this, this is a 14 year old like, child okay who went up to the sphinx and was like these are not real riddles like this is an insult to my intelligence give me something harder and i'm just like i understand take the win child like, take the win but it's also you you do have to admire her I confidence and like, no her, i love her like, Look, she knows what she like she knows how good she is and <laughs> if i make fun of this child it is out of love okay i Please. I know, I know. She's if like make, one of my favorite characters. Exactly. If I make fun of this child, it is out of love because I love her so much. She's she's amazing, but she's she she's crazy, but she's amazing. <laughs> I love her. I absolutely adore her. <laughs> but Day Dallas gets a taste of his own medicine because Luke, being Luke, has no intention of honoring his end of the bargain. Basically, 
right? Mm -hmm. So he sends Kelly, who has actually even captured Nico, uh, and he and and she's there to finish Day Dallas off, basically. With and Minos is there helping them along the way, and Nico is finally at a place of understanding with these guys. He's like, I'm sorry, Percy. Minos just led me in here. He lured me back. I'm so sorry. Didn't want to do this, basically. Which I understand. The boy was in a lot of pain. And right now he wants to do something different. But this idiot ghost king is, or is basically making him do stupid things. Uh, so let's talk about that. Because a lot happens yeah, here I too. Mean, I think it's no surprise. Like, I think as readers, you know that Minos is shady. And like, so I think yeah. you kind of expected that at a certain yeah. point he's going to turn. Yep. It's just, I think, at least I know when I read the series for the first time, I was fully expecting no, him to turn you were like, right. during that Especially... scene Triple G Ranch. No, that, that's true. Um, I thought he would have turned Minos earlier. Had such an agenda. We knew, we knew mm-hmm. his agenda was mainly to find Day Dallas. Mainly to find right. Day Dallas. That's it. That's all he ever wanted. Mm-hmm. But now, but Nico had, poor thing, he, his intention, I wouldn't call his intention pure. It's, it was born out of pain. He just wanted to see his sister okay. again or have his sister back. That's a different right. thing. But that's like, but this idiot king is basically using this child, a 10-year-old boy, to, mm-hmm. to fulfill this shady purpose which is like dude calm down you, you, you yeah but you, also again I mean Nico's uh, Nico's very young so you can't blame yeah. him no uh, I don't being, blame maybe Nico at impressionable all or being taken because, advantage of but yeah because, unfortunately Minos does take advantage of yeah. him and, and kind of tricks him into going back into a labyrinth and See, I feel like you said bad even for Nico because like Nico <laughs> like we've talked about this when we started discussing this book because Nico has developed very unhealthy coping mechanisms and grief has done a number on this boy right he's 10 he's lost his mother he is got his uh, his godly parent is like off being uh, off doing you know what I don't know he doesn't have a very good connection with Hades he lost his sister the only person he's ever had as family for however long he's been stuck in however long he was stuck in the Lotus Resort or whatever and now she's gone like it's hard right. it's really hard and he went to the only resource he knew how to use at that point and that idiot took advantage of this boy basically that's right but I think again it's not surprising like Annabeth mentioned earlier in the book ghosts will always have agendas I think Nico because he's so focused on like this is what I want this is what I need to do to get my sister back he kind of ignores that or he like doesn't think about that as much but unfortunately you know um Annabeth is very knowledgeable and what she says comes true Minos does have an agenda and we finally yeah. see it revealed where he's like yeah. I don't really care about anything I just want revenge I just want Day Dallas because basically right yeah and so he uses Nico like he tricks Nico into going back to the labyrinth and then like you said um when Kelly pops up she's got Nico with her uh mm-hmm. Minos is kind of like yeah I know I said I was gonna help it's like I'm really not Sorry. I just came here for <laughs> Day Dallas no no I don't so, um yeah. Nico has like that moment like you mentioned where he's like he kind of comes to an understanding that like yeah as much as maybe he resented Percy before um mm-hmm. Percy was only doing what he thought best and Bianca was yeah. right and um Annabeth was right that he probably shouldn't have 
kept Minos around because Minos had his own thing and he was only using Nico. But um, Nico is also, you know, he's he's a son of the big three too. So he's got his own, you know, super powerful set of abilities. Ooh. And um, Dude, this kid is it. powerful <laughs> as hell, man. Like I yes. can't even explain <laughs> to you because even if you look at it, not just the next book, but if you look at um, the Heroes of Olympus series, you'll see it even more there. But damn, this kid. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's why the, the kids of the big three were kind of so like, uh, like there was a pact that, they, that yeah. the big three wouldn't have any more kids because yeah. the kids are like super powerful. And I mean, yeah. like, again, like in, in this book, I mean, right, like this whole scene, Nico unleashes some power and that's not the full extent of his power. No. Um, even Percy, like he didn't tap into the full extent of his power when no, he, he um, you know, uh, blew up, blew up a mountain. Uh, yeah, and it's like you know that that's a huge thing. Even Nico doing what he's doing, like they, they're not using that much 10. of the power. The child is and, ten, yeah. yo. Like, come on, that's yeah. crazy. And yeah. so it's 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 a big thing. And I think I mean there's a there's a there's a line that Nico says in in the Heroes of Olympus where some of the characters are talking about like you know a huge event that's happened and they're being worried about it and Nico's like Percy's the most powerful demigod I've ever met and uh Nico himself is already like you said like insanely powerful so um it's it's always really interesting to read about the kids the big thing anytime they tap into their power because usually it's like in a major way and this is kind of like Nico I think Percy does it I think Percy does tap into more of his powers in the Heroes of Olympus at some point Mm -hmm. I think we'll talk about this because I know I think you and I might think of the exact same scene um, that that actually literally scares Annabeth Um, yeah yeah there's a very kind of like dark scene which um, I I have a lot of uh, comparisons which hopefully I remember we'll talk about that we'll talk about that when we get to that because uh, there's a yeah, we have a journey to go through before all of that comes yeah. into play. Actually, Crazy journey, but yeah, we absolutely oh, yeah. do. But I mean, yeah. this instance, like just Nico kind of just scratching the the surface of his powers, just unleashing a very small portion of it. But um, I love how he how like he takes huge... control of this because Minos is like, mm-hmm. "You're a puny child, and I am, and I'm the ghost king." And Nico's like, "No, I am." Bye. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Please, I. I Come on, Nico. Like, I loved it. It It's it's very, like, um, I'm I'm trying to think of, like, the word for it. It's, like, if you can... I I don't know. I just feel like it's, like, one of those, like, moments where if this was, like, a cinematic thing and you saw it on a big screen, everybody would be, like, cheering or something. Because, like, the way he says it, it's, like, Minos is, like, I'm the ghost king and, like, Nico is unleashing his power and he's, like, no, I'm the ghost king. And it's, like, very... um, And the way he actually just... Yeah, I loved it. It was great. It's, yeah. it's just nice to see that he also is confident enough that he like knows what he's doing uh, yeah. to a certain extent. I mean, obviously he he doesn't know too much about the extent of his powers and he hasn't trained for very long in like using them. And I think it tires him out too. Enough, it think. literally tires him out. It, it taps into his little, life yeah. force really. <laughs> but yeah, I know what you mean. I don't know about that. I think, I mean, it taps a lot of energy. I think I don't know if it yeah. taps into his life force. I think shadow um, travel but... does, but that's something for another time. Not life yeah, force, not it sure. tires Even, him out. Yeah, it tires him yeah, out. Very yeah, like, and it, like it depletes his energy, but yeah. I don't, I'm actually, I don't know if the series, either series has ever really confirmed like no, the specifics no, you're like, right. of what it taps you're right. into. You're right, you're right. Uh, but it basically but, takes a lot of his energy 
for mm-hmm. for him to be able to do this but he does it and right. then Rachel is basically like strapping uh, all of these guys up with a set of wings so that they can escape <laughs> from this whole place so let's talk about that because that's crazy too yes so um I think Daedalus is like in his spare time um he's reworked the the wax wings that he and Icarus mm-hmm. initially used and so um as this, you know, battle is going on, there's a, a moment where I think Luke arrives and uh, I don't like think kind of does like Luke a, arrive. I think it's Kronos technically, but like Not, I meant like I guess I like don't Luke's think side. it happens now. I don't think that happens now. It does because at all. Um, because because it? no, because like here, Luke things? is not here. Luke is not here at all. I'm, I'm jumping ahead. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're jumping a little bit ahead. But what happens here is yeah. they end up uh, fighting off and um, they end up, they manage to get to Colorado because the uh, one of the lab portals of the labyrinth opens up in Colorado, basically. And that's yeah, they where use they the, So Daedalus has like the, he he's wings. redesigned yeah. the wings, the wax wings. And so they use that to escape and they end up in um, Colorado. And unfortunately, they need a wig back into the labyrinth Um, we also get like a really like brief glimpse of um rachel kind of not talking a lot about her 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 family or her past or who she is and all of that she manages to get them rides um to where they need to be and they're all kind of like how just like like, Like, (laughs) yeah yeah like very quickly and she's like please don't ask like let's just not talk about it um and they go back into the labyrinth and Mm. when they go back into the labyrinth again i mean you know it's it's a living breathing maze like this network of tunnels that leads all over the place yeah and they find a um and they find an opening to, to mount, mount him <laughs> yes. Oof. so Oof. percy being the seaweed brain that he is but also like the super no one else called the seaweed brain no one else <laughs> but yeah i know what you mean sorry I mean, seaweed brain in the sense like he's like i'm gonna go in i know you what guys to hear i'm gonna check it out and it's yeah. like i percy we we get it we we know what you're trying to do but like please for the love of god at least take annabeth because like i think Annab- no checked. but annabeth is like you guys uh, but annabeth so but basically percy is like no you have to stay here i don't want yeah, anyone Percy's else like it's not it's not safe and yeah. also i mean between i think the that's why annabeth them, gives him her hat her invisibility yes yeah yeah. she does and also i mean this is like this is i think purely from like a shipper point of view type (laughs) thing but it's like can we just talk about how percy was like the last time he got it and about had given him a kiss and like this time she's not talking to him i just like that he chooses to dwell on that of all things it's like percy really and like bro again and now you and um, now you're wondering why annabeth is mad at you you idiot i know like excuse (laughs) Please, I know. like, okay, you know what? Fine, fine. But yeah, she she gives him his uh, her invisibility cap, and so Percy sneaks in, um, and you know we've and known he, for some time that Kronos is reforming. The golden sarcophagus as well. Yes, but yeah, so he opens the sarcophagus, and guess who he finds there? Luke, <laughs> Luke, mm-hmm. comatose, <laughs> sleeping there. And for one second, he contemplates killing Luke, but he just can't do it. Can't do it. It probably would have saved him a lot of trouble. But again, I I think had he done that, it would have been very different. And I don't know that he would have been able to To live with himself. Live with himself. 
Yeah, I agree. But then here comes the part where uh, here comes the part where I think you see the Telkines here again, right? Because they're carrying (laughs) the scythe, Kronos's scythe. And they're like, yeah, uh, if you uh, and then you see Ethan Nakamura with them. And they're like, you pledge your allegiance to him and hand the scythe over to him. He will awaken. And Percy's like, damn it, no, don't do this kind of thing. And then he basically takes off his invisibility cap and is like, don't do this. And that's when Ethan's like, yeah, no, I'm still not listening to you. My mom is the god. My mom is nemesis, the goddess of revenge. I, this is what I want. I can't, I can't do this. I can't join you. And he actually does it. And Kronos yeah. awakens. Not yeah thing. it's also interesting though that Ethan um he talks about nemesis being his mom and i think he he makes a comment about like she she showed me like the the future or whatever and then he mm. he only has one eye and so like the price was it for it for seeing was that he lost an eye but mm. um it's we also find out that um I think we find out yeah. a little later in this book that Nemesis is one of the like minor gods and she's not one of the original 12 Olympians mm. who changes sides and kind of sides with Kronos in, in this conflict. And so um, I just find it interesting how Ethan is like, I renounce all the gods and all of that and I'm yeah. going to side with the Titan. But it's also like, dude, your mother showed you all of this, but like she's also fighting on the same side that you are. Yeah, this is so uh, weird. I just find it kind of funny. But um, yeah, Ethan Ethan does pledge his allegiance to uh, the Titan army. And that's kind of like the last thing that Kronos needed to rise. And And he's um, up. He's he's awake now. And that is He's awake and he's also in... He's he's, he's like kind of merged with Luke. And so Percy, I think, is not really able to comprehend like how that's happening. And um, the really short window of time he had to like really like make a decisive move and, and kind of stop things before it got out of hand. It's gone kind of now. Passed. Like that window of opportunity, yeah. it's gone. Yeah, it's gone. It's gone. So um, he's just like, all right, now we just got to get out of here. Unfortunately for him, Kronos uh, can slow down for him. time. That too. <laughs> so he's like, um, Kronos can slow down time, and his friends have also come looking for him. And Nico mm-hmm. makes this kind of funny comment where he's like, "Sorry, Percy, like the girls were fighting the whole time, but like the only thing they could agree on was that you needed help, and, and you might no, mess that you up, so you'd mess things up." <laughs> or like just make a bigger mess of things so like get into more trouble and yeah. um so they've all come for him and um again like you said chronos even though he's inhabiting luke's body he's got uh luke's sword backbiter he's got his new uh scythe which has been no, i think the sword was in... turned into back but I, I think backbiter was turned into the scythe that's why it's both metal and celestial bronze that's why luke doesn't have yeah. his sword yeah yeah that's like a bad explanation i meant like it was like merged but he has that fighter exactly like you said i know i think it's been reformed yeah it's been reformed it's been made into the site yeah exactly um yeah i think and uh there's this really funny moment where percy's just like all right we just got to get out of here we can't fight him we just have to run yeah and um there's a moment where as they're attempting to escape rachel throws a hairbrush that she has on her at Kronos slash Luke and um there's a very it kind of dazes him for a minute which is like yeah and and when it does it's more it's more Luke it's Luke's voice it's like reacting to that who goes like or whatever and um 
he, he seems to be more Luke than Cronus for like a very short period of time. For that and second, then, yeah. Yeah, and then the, the demigods and Rachel don't really stay to see what happens after that. But Annabeth is really running. distraught over this. So let's talk about that because I think she saw what Luke has become, but then she's still like, that's still Luke. That's still the friend. That, that's still the guy that she knew for so long. And now... <laughs> It, now he's allowed Kronos to take over his body. That's uh, that's hard. Let's talk yeah. about that because, like, yeah, it's it's definitely I think tough for her. Um, yeah. I think, like you said too, she is distraught, and there's like a bit um, after they, you know, have run away and they've kind of put some distance between them and Mount Tam and uh, the Titan army, where they're able to kind of just take a break for a little bit like regroup and um Annabeth is pretty miserable and kind of caught up about the whole thing and, and mm-hmm. Percy is trying his best to like kind of comfort her but also just be like hey don't worry about it like he's still evil and he's still in there somewhere but I think also again he doesn't have that history that Annabeth has had with Luke yeah. he doesn't understand it's not the um, same for him yeah. yeah right and so you know even though Annabeth is like um, really sad and even though he's trying to comfort her um, they're both still kind of butting heads over this issue and Annabeth is like oh you want him to be evil is that it oh yeah she's like no of course I don't that's but, like, not also, what like, I he's want not... but he's not the same guy you knew either right. dude. So it's like... right and so I think there's this really interesting I think Annabeth makes a comment where she's like um she's like you don't know him like I did and and you don't know what he's capable of and even though you feel this way you, you have to understand why I still feel like there's like a, a small possibility that Luke is still in there and that he could still mm. be turned. And um, there's also this kind of funny moment where Annabeth is like, after, I think before they kind of have the discussion about Luke um, or maybe after, I can't remember like the specifics, but she goes to like collect um, like wood for a fire or something and and um Percy's apologizing to Rachel like oh don't worry about her like she means well she's not usually like this and yeah. or he says like I don't know why she's like this and Rachel's like don't you don't you know and Percy's like don't you? hey don't uh, you start either and she's just like boys oh and it's God. Like, really, Percy she uh, uh-huh. yeah I know it's see when you say boys will be boys this is what you should mean this is exactly what you should be when people say boys will be boys. It means they will always be clueless. Pretty much. But yeah. Anyway, yeah. But their troubles don't end there just yet because there's so much going on here. They actually have to uh, they actually find a trail to Grover and Tyson. Let's talk about that. Yeah, so I think on their way back, they're trying to get back to Camp Half-Blood. Mm-hmm. Um, and on, on their way back, they find Grover's cap and yep. they find a tunnel that he could have potentially gone down. And mm-hmm. um, I think at first there's like some debate, like, oh, we'll come back and we'll try and find them again. But it's like, no, if we don't find them now, we're probably never going to find them. That trail is going so, to go cold. Um, exactly, yeah. Yeah, even That's though uh, they need to get to camp and kind of warn Chiron that like Luke's army is coming, they've got mm-hmm. the string and Daedalus is, you know, turned on them and, and all of that. Um, they still follow this path and they find Grover and Tyson. And then ultimately they thought like the path leads to the Lord of the wild himself, who Grover has been searching for, for a very long time. And yep. um, unfortunately 
he is dying. He's been dying he for a very long time. For, yeah, the wild because I love the explanation that Pan gives for this because his <laughs> domain has become so small. And mm-hmm. as the world evolved and as humans evolved, his domain has become so small. And, and that's the thing he drew his power from. Yes. And it's all mm-hmm. gone. And I love how he I says... Think, I think he also yeah, he makes ahead. a comment where it's like, if you if the things that you believe in or the things that you stand for are like no longer there and if people stop believing in him and and the things that he stood yeah. for then he's essentially like his essence fades it's with, being wiped out you know yeah that, exactly right yeah so if in in pan's case i mean he's the lord of the wild but the wild has been so contaminated so broken up um there's just very few pockets of it left yeah. and anybody who would have believed in him has kind of just given up like the council of cloven elders they've kind of just been like you know what grover hasn't made any headway he's probably like not found even lying. Don't even know if he exists. yeah exactly um so like you know even his own some of his own supporters have kind of started to give up um and that's you know, unfortunately impacted him and his ability to to maintain like a, a life force i guess i don't know and i love his um, essence but... i love how he says that you uh, uh, you and each and every one of you will have to carry my essence from now on is it's it's kind mm-hmm. of sad but it's also a very touching moment so let's talk about that too yeah. Yeah, I think like Grover is, of course, you know, very emotional about this whole kind of conversation where Pan is like, I've held on this long and like, it's mostly been because of you, Grover, but it's my time, I have to go. And Grover's like, no, 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 you can't go. Like, you're you're the Lord of the Wild, you have to be here. And he's like, I mean, my, like spirit or like my mission or whatever will will live on all of you and you will have to kind of carry out um everything that i stood for and and help me finish what i started type thing um and ultimately unfortunately pan does pass but he gives like a little bit of his spirit or his essence or whatever you want to call to each of of the demigods um and 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 grover and tyson but grover gets uh you know the the bulk of it and um i think he talks to each of them basically he talks to each of them Mm -hmm. And he even uh, t- talks to Tyson about Briaris and his disappointment. Yeah, in yeah, it's really sweet, sweet too. I mean, it's a very yeah. like, you know, he he's on he's on a time crunch. He's got a very limited amount of time, but he like kind of makes time to like address something that each of them kind of needs to hear, yes. um, or you know, something that they would find useful. But it's also just I think really sweet how he's he's so like supportive of Grover. He's like, you know, you spent your whole life looking for me. You've done everything, and you know, it's been. It's meant a lot to him, obviously, and it's yeah. literally, I think, helped keep him like keep him alive. But um, it's also just, I think, really sweet that he chooses Grover to kind of be his successor and like carry out his mission and kind of fulfill uh, his duties. And then um, Grover just, I think he he really, even though he's kind of reluctant to do so at he's first, he kind of embraces that once Pan actually passes. And I love but... how Pan is like, "You have to release me, you." you specifically have to release me and it's like and it's such a painful thing for Grover because this is the this is the god that he's been waiting for and searching for his entire life it was his life's purpose and to find him finally and then for this guy to say I'm done I'm sorry my life force has been depleted and you have to be the one to let me go it's kind of sad right I mean it's it is yeah (laughs) Uh, um well it, it, i mean it's it, it's hard i think because again like this 
this is somebody who's been Grover's hero, who he's looked up to, I think. Yeah. Um, or somebody he's definitely idolized because Pan is kind of like the leader of, um, you know, satyrs and, and the nature spirits and, and things like that. Basically, and now to find yeah. him nature essentially spirits. like fading away yeah, exactly. and, and mm-hmm. Pan just being like, my time is over. It's now your time. Mm-hmm. It's a lot for Grover, but it's, I think it's also really um amazing how he kind of just embraces that like he's still upset and distraught over everything that happens but once pan you know is once he passes grover just kind of um not right away but but over the court like the remainder of the book and the course of the next book he kind of really embraces what um pan stood for and and you know his new role now as like the the new lord of the wild which i think is so cool because um I don't know Grover's you know he's he's a, he's a, he's a, such a wholesome character and, he is um it it would have I think felt weird looking back on on the series now if Pan had just been like somebody else is going to be the Lord of the Wild and you're going to serve yeah. them or like if there had been no Lord of the Wild I think it's very appropriate that Grover got that position because obviously after he dedicated everything. his whole life to it exactly yeah. I agree and so yeah. um yes yeah I mean once this all happened um they They finally head back to camp basically yeah because Mm -hmm. the group is finally back together which is good but they have to get head back to camp because Luke has this uh, because Luke uh, the Titan army has the string uh Ariadne string they can go straight to camp and navigate to the opening that is within camp and that's exactly what they end up doing unfortunately and there's this huge battle and every time i think they mentioned i think the way this is described is great every time these demigods managed to you know quell the surge a new group came in and just overpowered <laughs> them all over again it's kind of crazy right. and then and then right right when they think they have an advantage you see kempe coming in and that's like the worst thing they can imagine because she's <laughs> powerful and let's talk about that like that's crazy she is and also i mean so i don't know i don't know if the numbers for the titan army have ever Mm. been like officially officially given in any of the Mm. books but at the beginning of this book um i think chiron makes or somebody makes a comment about how like normally they have you know over 100 campers during like a good year or like a good season Mm. but during this particular book they're they only have about 80 campers or so um and you know dionysus wasn't at camp either you know he's off doing his own stuff and you know to help the the olympic olympian side um and kind of you know make sure that they have enough allies and and things like that um and so camps kind of spread thin they don't have as many fighters and the titan army just kind of sending wave after wave after wave and then on top of that you've got really old and powerful creatures like kampe um and and you know all these different monsters that are old kind of gods, invading camp old gods and who were um, basically yeah exactly like uh, basically all the gods before the olympians uh, that were with the titans back then the, all of them are coming in and then joining the fray it's not it's crazy so, i don't know are, I, don't, I don't think any of the old gods are, are, not yet, are at this not point, yet are but Camp- they're, they're i'm sorry trouble yeah, yeah they're yeah. causing but kampe is the one that joins in the battle here causing a lot of yeah she's like then yeah she's she's a big one who's like i think one of like the heavy hitters from the titan army she's doing a lot of damage and stuff but but um, then i mean yeah but but then they're they're doing their best but here comes a twist they dallas comes back 
as does Briaris. So let's talk about that because that must be such a wholesome moment for Tyson at this point, which is, it is this yeah. is what I want. So let's talk about it's it. It's his hero and somebody that, yeah. again, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's actually kind of interesting now that I think about it, how many characters got to meet their hero and were kind yeah. of disillusioned with them at first and then yeah. later kind of they have like oh, some yeah, sort of like you're right. mini because redemption Because let's talk arc. about Dave Dallas too. But yes, yeah. So Dallas comes back with Mrs. O'Leary, who you know, being a, yeah. a hillhound, she can do some damage. And for oh. once, she's not fighting the demigod; she's on their side. Yeah. Um, and so that's you know a plus. Uh, and you know, Dallas is he also brings um, Briaris, who you know has last time we saw him, he was kind of uh, down, down for the count. Yeah, and he was like, I'm not, I can't do this. Like, I, you're better off just fighting on your own and seeing yeah. what happens. Because if I fight, yeah. it's not going to be prettier. I'm going to make you guys lose that. So yeah. he was kind of like a little bit of like a negative Nancy about the whole thing. But now <laughs> he comes in and he's like, um, he's like, he, he's he's a little bit more upbeat. He's kind of like got some of his like pep Some back, of his spark back. Yeah, um, let's yeah, say yeah. he's got he, some of his spark back. Right. And uh, he's like, he's ready to fight and i think with him on on their side the demigods of camp half-blood actually have a decent shot mm. unfortunately in terms of numbers they're still um outnumbered, they're still outnumbered doing so great but um, yeah. uh, but you know they've got some people they've got like we said daedalus mrs o'leary briaries and nico as well nico wanted to leave oh, after nico. everything in the labyrinth but percy's like come to camp fight with us you owe us that much at least and then after that if you want to leave we won't cause a scene about it. So Nico's there, you know. Actually, there's a scene here. There's a scene here because, like, because Annabeth is the one that convinces this child, not Percy. It's Annabeth, and then Percy looks at Annabeth like, "How is he listening to you?" <laughs> it's kind yeah. of funny. Kind of funny. But okay. I mean, it's it's Annabeth. I think even at a young age, if you kind of defy her, it, it's probably the man well for you. <laughs> so Nico's clever. He recognizes that, but also he's like um i think there is a reason for it we can't talk about it now because it's a major spoiler for the house oh. Hades. but um there i, Dude, think there I know is a exactly reason. which one you're talking about i know exactly yeah i think people who've read the series about. will also know um yeah. it, it kind of changes the way it you breaks look at your heart Nicole in the first book it yeah breaks your heart. um I but I, I just yeah especially having read that series now reading the series you kind of want to like yeah. if, if it, you were able to like reach through the pages and shake nico and be like please <laughs> Just like open yourself up to these people, like they're yeah. not going to hurt you. Like they yeah. genuinely care about you. Yes. All of them. <laughs> yeah. um, but again, I mean, at this point, he is a very, very, very young boy, and uh, he's ten. It's not. He's a child. It's not he his is fault. baby. He is baby. Yeah, you can't really blame him. <laughs> but um, yeah, Nico is actually helping because he's been yeah. convinced to to at least stay through this battle and. Yeah. and um, you know, lend support where he can. Um, but I think that the the thing that actually ends up kind of being the deciding factor is probably something that nobody saw coming at the beginning of the book. Um, but having just been kind of appointed the new Lord of the Wild, Grover unleashes this very um loud, scream. horrifying scream, yeah. which we later find out is um it's called a panic, which is, you know the word derives from the lord of the wilds name Pan. and it was um, from and, panic he, because it was his power he could let out a scream uh, and then and then it it somehow it's so I think, terrifying that the yeah, enemy it, just leaves yeah, just leaves and then it, his name somehow devol so... evolved into meaning all because pan basically <laughs> means all uh 
that yeah that too yeah it's nice um but yeah I mean I I just think it was so funny that if if I think the first time I read the series if you had asked me what would have been like the kind of deciding move that gave Cam Half-Blood the victor I would have been like Nico maybe Percy maybe Annabeth like Tyson like also let's talk about the scene uh there's a scene that even after all this tension that Percy and Annabeth had at the end, when they're fight, when Kampei comes in and these two are like shoulder to shoulder and they talk to each other, and then Percy's like, I guess this is it. Uh, and then Percy's like, Yeah, looks like it. Nice fighting with you, seaweed brain. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, Yeah, you too. It's that camaraderie, it's, man. I miss that. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's beautiful. This movie was a little bit sparse, partly because yeah. at points they were so, like, physically, like, in terms of distance, they were far yeah. away from each other, but also, yeah. like, in a figurative sense, um, maybe emotionally, whatever you want to call it, they were, like, that a little too. bit distant from each other. So yeah. um, it, there wasn't as many, I mean, there were some, like, really cute moments, of course, mm-hmm. but there wasn't mm-hmm. also as much of that, like, um, kind of, like a you bit said, of camaraderie and, and all of that. A bit of tension, yeah. all this camaraderie, but, um, and all of those, that too. It's, all it's, of that. I think I just, I always find it like super sweet that after all of the stuff that they've been through in the book, even though they've kind of had, like you said, tension, and they've had these differences and all of that, at this point, they're still able to kind of immediately just kind yeah. of get back into the flow of things yeah. and just fight side by side, back to back. Like just, yep. they work so well together and like they just fall back into old patterns and like Which they do it amazing. so well. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, but thankfully, camp is not destroyed. It is saved um, this time. For <laughs> now. About the future. For now. But for now, camp is saved. Um, we and get the a, Dallas a makes little a bit decision. of a redemption arc. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about um, that. So he, he after things have kind of died down a bit, he approaches the group. Yeah. He, he gives Annabeth his laptop, which is kind of like his... Um, ultimate treasure in a way yeah, could you, I guess you could kind of call it like his magnum opus I don't know it's like it has Something like all his mentions all his work yeah. all, of all that. this unfinished and, um, work too which is awesome <laughs> like, right uh, and it's very advanced you know despite yeah. being uh, a ghost laptop I don't know whatever um, but he, he gives it to her and, and, I mean yeah, yeah and he's like you know what I'm, I finally decided I'm 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 not going to cheat death anymore i'm going to do what i want to face whatever judgment is available to me at this point that's all i can hope Mm -hmm. for yeah and so um annabeth gets a laptop uh percy gets a new pet (laughs) percy can look yep look after mrs o'leary because obviously where he's going she can't follow Um, i mean she can't follow but (laughs) best dog um he doesn't want to give mrs o'leary a hug (laughs) (laughs) if you can reach up to her that is she's huge but okay (laughs) um and um he kind of decides that like he's going to face judgment for what he's done and he's going to hope for the best but he's kind of made peace with everything and he realizes everything that he's done like annabeth has said has kind of been wrong and and not Mm. something a child of athena should do um it might be something that they want to do he's trying to make amends to recognize he's basically trying to make amends now and the cool thing is with him gone the labyrinth will be destroyed because the labyrinth is connected (laughs) to his life force so if he dies the labyrinth goes and the passageway that the titan army had through the labyrinth to camp have blood would be gone so (laughs) That's not just something? that but the entire labyrinth entire... altogether. yeah exactly so um 
there, there's also that, you know, it would definitely impede the Titan army if they wanted to come back to Camp Blood. They would yeah. have to come and pass through the magical port with Zion, yeah. you know. Yeah. And Direct means secret entrance, instead but, of secret yeah. entrances. Correct. Right. Which is so something. that's definitely a bonus. Um, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, Nico kind of does the, 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 honor i guess of like sending daedalus back yeah. and percy comes to realization that nico was always looking for a soul to trade for his sister percy for the longest time assumed it, Thought was, it him. was him but he and was looking we for find daedalus. out that yeah. yeah nico was looking for daedalus but at this point i think nico's also grown throughout you know all the stuff you're that's right happened, and he i realizes, think he's made peace um, with that i think he's basically i don't know if he's made, made peace but no he says it dead, but he he's, basically he's realized like, that like he, i can't yeah. keep trying to bring her Not back that. Like, and I, don't... I think he says this i don't think bianca would want to come back and i don't want to do that anymore mm-hmm. he says it which is nice because i feel like i if not if if not making peace with it at least he's i won't say he's made peace with it he's trying to come to terms with it i'd say basically he's like right. okay i can't do that but this uh, but this uh, i guess that's what it has to be done i'm going to leave her be kind of thing it's i think he leaves it at that for the time being which is the best yeah. he can do poor boy I, he needs a hug and lots of naps he does he does but yeah um, yeah but i mean he he does like let daedalus pass essentially um and yeah he does i think make the decision that he can't keep trying to fulfill this crazy wish or dream or whatever yeah. of trying to bring bianca back and like you said yeah. i think he realizes that she wouldn't want it mm-hmm. and also now that he knows um you know what's going on and, and he's a little bit more aware of what he can do and also there's you know chronos now knows who he is his identity is not a secret oh yeah uh chiron also knows um and uh he also i think at one point tells percy like if you if we're gonna win this war you need to be honest with me and like and we can't keep to, secrets from each other. Trust each other um yeah exactly right so yeah, yeah, yeah. um nico is is still not too keen on, on staying at camp but he's like i'll you know i need to like i need some time away i kind of need to discover who i am and what i can yeah. do like that sort of thing yeah he actually and... talks about finding out about his mother and what happened <laughs> to his mom and all those things yeah he does talk about right that. yeah yeah, so Nico, unfortunately, despite having helped camp and having been instrumental to their victory, unfortunately does leave camp for the second time. And we don't really know where he's going to go, what he's going to do. Mm. But um, thankfully, I think for one of the first times, this kind of happened closer, I think, to like the beginning of the summer or maybe the middle. But at any rate, Percy has some of his summer left to enjoy. So um, he gets to enjoy some time at camp. There's also this really cute... <laughs> line where Percy mentions that it's like it's he and Annabeth kind of skirt around each other for the remainder of <laughs> the summer and he he describes how it's like it it hurt being it hurt being with her but it hurt being away from her too and I'm just like you idiot simple remedy you, you two idiot. Just like sat down and talked yeah like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but isn't that a problem for most of the pairings that we like because they're idiots yeah. like idiots <laughs> okay um, I mean, I, I think, yeah, I think that's dude, just we, the, you can give examples right now, but let's not go there, okay? Like, <laughs> I know what you mean. But I just, I, I, I just thought it was like so funny where he's like, it, it is, hurt being it was her, but funny. it hurt being without her. It's like, all you need to do is just talk. And like, neither of them, they're both her. too stubborn to admit that 
that they like there each might other be something going on between yeah, them exactly but or like even if they don't like each other romantically just yeah it's like no, there's something friendship mean a lot something yeah <laughs> exactly there's, there's something it's so like just please talk but they yeah. don't um there is also this really uh kind of emotional scene where right before camp ends or before percy goes back home uh prior to like the start of the school year um he and he finally gets annabeth to reveal the last line of the prophecy so the last line has to do with losing a love to worse than death and um percy's like his first thought is like oh so luke but then annabeth interestingly enough was like i didn't know whether it was luke or you and for so long like she's just talking about like all these different things and (laughs) um again i just find it so funny that percy just like he either willfully ignores or it's like selective hearing or like did you not hear did you not hear what you just said like did you not she said luke or you she didn't know But I think, I I also wonder, though, if that's, like, part of what um, makes Percy, like, kind of hesitant to pursue anything or talk about anything, because I think think Percy's looking at it from, like, still holding on to something for Luke. I agree, because if you remember, even in the Titan's Curse, when, uh, when, when Luke falls off of Mount Arthurus, or the Fort Arthurus, not Mount Montan, Fort Arthurus. Annabeth is like, just the way you knew that I couldn't, I didn't die. I know that Luke isn't dead. So that's, you know, mm-hmm. that is that that's kind of uh, you can't whether or not Percy was ready to admit what he felt. He didn't know what right. he felt, but it was something because he knew that this mm-hmm. was Annabeth. This was not some not just some random person, although he would have risked a lot to save any of his friends but annabeth <laughs> is annabeth to him you know that's something right. you can't change um yeah I, mean, I think yeah it, it's it's kind of frustrating when you was like you, we as readers know obviously and especially we've already read the series you know where <laughs> this goes and where it ends but it's kind of you want me to laugh like Do you want me to laugh <laughs> okay i mean but yeah, i know what series, you mean. so we know, I know but it's mean. i know what you mean. It, it's just kind of frustrating when it's like obviously Annabeth is working through some things you yeah. can kind of see that they both you know there there's something between them and neither of them will kind of address the elephant in the room and yeah. like Percy describes just kind of skirt around each other it's like if you guys just sat down and talked I'm sure it would be a lot easier because I think as much as Annabeth cares about Luke she's also grown very close and fond and really cares well, about Percy, Percy too yeah and I think made it very difficult for her because it's kind of like she had literally almost had to like choose between both of them and it's also very interesting that like at multiple points there's like this big choice that's referenced with regard mm. to like Annabeth and, and her specific um I guess like arc or like thread yeah. in this whole kind of yeah. weird web of, of different plot lines all of that and and it's been talked about a couple times and all we know is that it's been delayed but it, it starts kind of looking like, or it's, it's seeming like that she might have to choose between Luke and, and Percy, Percy. And Percy's yeah. still kind of thinking that like, if it came down to it, she might really choose Luke and not him. And it's mm. not, I, I don't think he's coming at it from like a, oh my God, I can't believe she'd choose him over me. I'm so much better. But it's like, I think he's coming at it from an angle of like, this is somebody who has repeatedly kind of almost manipulated Annabeth and hurt her and, and has put her in like actual danger. It. Yeah, and she's still mm-hmm. not seeing Whereas it like, kind of thing. Yeah. But then she's for her, like... it's different because 
like <laughs> you said, he hasn't known Luke as long as she has. So the dynamic that right. she had with Luke is completely different. So I think she's still holding on to that Luke, unfortunately. Yeah. And it's not... I I think yeah. it's, it's also probably a little bit hard to kind of reconcile the Luke that she knew with the Luke who's like kind of put Turned her through so this. much. Like, yeah. I mean, the Titans curse was like, that was a lot. And that was I mean, low. I, that was low even uh, for Yeah, him. you don't do that to no. somebody you yeah. claim you care about. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't uh, fathom how you could like use your one of your best friends or somebody you look at as like a little sister or whatever as bait and then be like, oh, no, I still really care. Like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. It's like, no, that was very intentional. Like, you cannot. That there's was. no way you can spin that. Where it's like, no, you didn't mean to do that. Like, that was deliberate, intentional, all of that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of what Percy sees is like Luke has repeatedly manipulated her, hurt her yes. physically, emotionally. And her feelings and she still for kind him. Of keeps, and her feelings Yeah, he for kind him. of keeps like yeah. using that against her. And he's like, yeah. he kind of just wants Annabeth to like wake up and see. But it's like, you guys both kind of have like the same, like almost outlook you just can't see it because you're both yeah. so kind of wrapped up and like Annabeth is just like I'm I need to save Luke like Luke is what matters but it's also like Luke is also kind of hurting your camp and he's kind of like his goal is to kill Percy because yeah. Percy's goal is to stop him yeah so one of them is supposed to die but Annabeth kind of wants both of them to survive but that it's um, hard for her yeah it is it is and yeah. you can't fault her for some of the things that she's feeling and you know her reluctance to to communicate or talk about certain things but I think the end where she kind of reveals that last line is um a pretty big scene and it's yeah. I think very telling even though Percy doesn't recognize it that mm. she kept it from him for so long because if it was just a matter of you know Luke um being the one to you know die as part of this prophecy or whatever I think Annabeth may have mentioned it because she may have been like I want to do everything in my power to prevent that so I need all the help I can get so I have to tell yeah. everybody what's going on yeah but, but I yeah, don't think Percy I know, sees I it think as you're like right. I don't I, I don't think he realizes that Annabeth keeping that last time the prophecy from him is was um, to keep just him safe yeah, yeah and because of... she was genuinely worried about him too yeah. not just a, it wasn't just about Luke like she genuinely cared about him too and it's also like yeah. dude she kissed you like that but you don't kiss somebody for the heck of it I mean sometimes people do well, um, but Annabeth well, is you know she she does things for a reason but Annabeth is deliberate let's just say Annabeth <laughs> is delivered because if she made that choice if she mustered up enough courage to be like okay you know what this is the moment i'm gonna i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this and then she does it and then you're like uh okay <laughs> thank you i mean she she does it for a reason and yeah. it's like if if I don't think Percy realizes that just yet i think he knows that like he's probably thinking that like she just does it because she he, he was almost gonna die and it was like yeah. a good something she did out of pity but it's like she was genuinely concerned dude and like the and other she wanted one to like, let him know something like it's like yeah. she was probably like if something happens here i kind of want you to know this know but i'm also not telling just you. yet but but that's a different yeah thing. yeah yeah it's but weird. anyway i mean percy it's kind of like up to him he has to do what he wants to do with that information yeah. um which he doesn't really do much with it just yet he's just like oh okay and he doesn't yeah. really have like a reaction to it just yet he's kind um, of but yeah but yeah, yeah I think he just, it's complicated he's between percy it, like, and yeah. annabeth at this point let's just say yeah that. so unfortunately when they when they leave for the summer when they part ways for for the summer 
um, it, it's not as, you know, bright and upbeat as it has been in previous books. Mm-hmm. Um, but Percy does actually, he gets a little bit of like a, a break from all the demigod stuff when he goes home. He has like a birthday party. It's a very low-key affair. Yes. Um, and we get some really sweet uh, scenes. Um, this one's like Paul and Percy kind of bonding and Paul asks if he can propose to Sally, which I thought was so sweet, sweet because yeah. um, he's he's a nice guy. Like, he Paul takes Percy's like, feelings into account. I, basically, he's like, not your. Per- I'm not asking your permission, but you are her son and you're very, <laughs> and this is important, which is nice, which is, in a, yeah. because he doesn't need Percy's permission. Sally's her own woman. She can decide what she wants <laughs> to do. But Paul right. actually realizing that uh, how how important Sally and Percy are to each other is a really sweet thing. So that's <laughs> all I'm going to say about that at this point. It's just yeah. nice. It's sweet. I know it is really sweet. And Percy's actually very, I think, thrilled about it. And I think that's yeah. also like the other cool thing. I think with everything going on, Percy could have been completely within his rights to be like, no, I don't There's want to like, no, dating on. anybody. Or like, yeah. yeah. And also just, I think, I think he's also kind of like very protective of Sally after oh, everything yes. that happened with Gabe and all of yeah. that. And I think it could have been very easy for him to be like, no, I don't want my mom ever dating again because there's the possibility that she could get hurt or like, or I just want to protect her, jerk. you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But it, I think it's really sweet that he's like, he's protective, but he also, I think Sally, like you said, is her own woman. She knows mm-hmm. what she wants and she knows how to handle herself. And he's like kind of there to support her, but he's like, whatever she's wants, as long as, you know, the guy's not a jerk, she's okay. Yeah. And Paul is pretty far from a jerk. Um, so there's cool. like that really Paul sweet cool. scene where Percy's like yeah Percy's like go for it I think it's great and um things are kind of starting to look up you know now Paul's going to propose to Sally Percy's actually starting school again in the fall because Chiron has managed to use the mist to convince yes. the school board that Percy was just an innocent bystander who just ran away when things kind of got a little dicey things um, exploded around him poor child <laughs> yeah <laughs> But yeah. um, Percy also uh, he gets a visit from Poseidon and um, Poseidon kind of you know for once which I, I guess kind of telling um, he asks Percy to like go through everything that he's been through yeah. over the summer and then Percy you know explains the whole quest in the labyrinth and the battle and, and also everything. the whole and... thing about Luke being I mean, Kronos right. being in Luke's body, which is not good. Right. And at so, this point. yeah, Poseidon's like, I don't really know what that means, but things are not looking great as it is. I mean, he's already struggling to kind of maintain his hold over his territory, his territory. because exactly. the old gods are, are stirring. Um, he also warns Percy that like Typhon is, is stirring. And if Typhon wakes yeah. and kind of unleashes his power, then um, it, it won't be good. Because, like we talked about the last time, Typhon is. It took all the Olympians together to basically tame him the last time. And not even tame him, just like conceal him. I don't think contain him. him is probably impossible. Contain but, him yeah. as much as they could, mm-hmm. basically. I agree. And him right. stirring and again, not a good sign. No. Yeah. So unfortunately, Poseidon's got like all these kind of bad things to to warn Percy about but on the plus side he gives Percy a present which is a sand dollar he's like you'll know when to use it mm-hmm. but it's a very like Percy just kind of like I have no idea what to do with this type of thing but Poseidon's like don't worry you'll find a use for it and it'll come in handy yeah Percy's just like okay dad okay thanks dad um, and then the final kind of almost like cliffhanger ending that we get with this book Ooh. is that Nico 
um, after several weeks or maybe a couple months away, has uh, discovered some very interesting information. So he shows up at Percy's window. Um, On his birthday, no less. Basically the same night he shows up. Um, yeah, um, to to kind of tell Percy that he's found a way that they can potentially defeat Kronos. Yeah, and it's most likely risky, dangerous, but I mean, it's no the, risk. It's no pretty reward, much right? the only <laughs> way. Yeah. So, um, and and that's kind of like the the big cliffhanger that we end on. We don't really mm. know. Well, we we know because we've read the series. We know because we've read the series, and, you know. and if you know if you read the um, series because what <laughs> they get up to in the fifth and final book of this series is insane okay yes. however it's it's amazing conclusion but it is an amazing conclusion um, however next week we're taking a little bit of a break from percy jackson to celebrate yes. a wonderful wonderful game that we absolutely adore horizon zero dawn in celebration of the release of forbidden west so next week we do have a podcast up for Horizon Forbidden. Uh, we do have a podcast for Zero Dawn already out, but we would want to revisit the game since we replayed it recently. We want to add to that discussion, bring out more details that we kind of probably missed in that uh, episode of our podcast so that we can discuss it all over again and enjoy the game all over again. Just, just to celebrate the release of Forbidden West on Feb 18th. So look out for that guys and after that we'll be we'll definitely be back with the last olympian which is the conclusion to this five book series and we are super excited to bring this out to you guys and once again if you have stayed on with us throughout all this we really appreciate you we cannot thank you enough so thank you we appreciate you and we will see you next week with horizon zero dawn thanks guys thank you As always, our lovely theme song is Water Lily by the 126ers. The Nerdy Podcasts podcast is available on Anchor, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and you can follow us online at nerdy-podcasts.tumblr.com or at nerdypodcasts.wordpress.com.